0: chapter nineteen of my reminiscences by rabindranath Tagore. this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter nineteen literary companions there came to me in my boyhood a friend whose help in my literary progress was invaluable akshay Chaudhry was a schoolfellow of my fourth brother he was an m a in english literature for which his love was as great as his proficiency therein on the other hand he had an equal fondness for our older bengali authors and vaishnava poets he knew hundreds of bengali songs of unknown authorship and on these he would launch with a voice uplifted regardless of tune or consequence or of the express disapproval of his hearers nor could anything within him or without prevent his loudly beating time to his own music for which the nearest table or book served his nimble fingers to wrap a vigorous tattoo on to help to enliven the audience he was also one of those with an inordinate capacity for extracting enjoyment from all and sundry he was as ready to absorb every bit of goodness in a thing as he was lavish in singing its praises He had an extraordinary gift as a lightning composer of lyrics and songs of no mean merit, but in which he himself had no pride of authorship. He took no further notice of the heaps of scattered scraps of paper, on which his pencil writings had been indicted. He was as indifferent to his powers as they were prolific. One of his longer poetic pieces was much appreciated, when it appeared in the darshan and I have heard his song sung by many who knew nothing at all about their composer. A genuine delight in literature is much rarer than erudition, and it was this enthusiastic enjoyment in Akshay Babu which used to awaken my own literary appreciation. He was as liberal in his friendships as in his literary criticisms. Among strangers he was a fish out of water, but among friends discrepancies in wisdom or age made no difference to him. With us boys he was a boy. When he took his leave late in the evening from the mudless of our elders, I would buttonhole and drag him to our schoolroom. There, with undiminished geniality, he would make himself the life and soul of our little gathering. Seated on the top of our study table, on many such occasions, I have listened to him going on into a rapturous dissertation on some English poem, engaged him in some appreciative discussion, critical inquiry, or hot dispute, or read to him some of my own writings, and had been rewarded in return with praise unsparing. My fourth brother, jyotindra was one of the chief helpers in my literary and emotional training. He was an enthusiast himself, and loved to evoke enthusiasm in others. He did not allow the difference between our ages to be any bar to my free intellectual and sentimental intercourse with him. This great boon of freedom, which he allowed me, none less would have dared to do. Many even blamed him for it. His companionship made it possible for me to shake off my shrinking sensitiveness. It was as necessary for my soul, after its rigorous repression during my infancy, as of the monsoon clouds after a fiery summer. But for such snapping off my shackles, I might have become crippled for life. Those in authority are never tried of holding forth the possibility of the abuse of freedom as a reason for withholding it, but without that possibility, freedom would not be really free and the only way of learning how to use properly a thing is through its misuse for myself at least i can truly say that what little mischief resulted from my freedom always led the way to the means of curing mischief i have never been able to make my own anything which they tried to compel me to swallow by getting hold of me physically or mentally by the ears nothing but sorrow have i ever gained except when left free to myself my brother jyotindra unreservedly let me go my own way to self-knowledge and only since then could my nature prepare to put forth its thorns it may be but likewise its flowers this experience of mine has led me to dread not so much evil itself as tyrannical attempts to create goodness of punitive police political or moral i have a wholesome horror the state of slavery which is thus brought on is the worst form of cancer to which humanity is subject my brother at one time would spend days at his piano engrossed in the creation of new tunes showers of melody would stream from under his dancing fingers while akshay Babu and i seated on either side would be busy fitting words to the tunes as they grew into shape to help to hold them in our memories footnote systems of notation were not then in use one of the most popular of the present-day systems was subsequently devised by the writer's brother here mentioned End of footnote this is how i served my apprenticeship in the composition of songs while we were growing to boyhood Music was largely cultivated in our family. This had the advantage of making it possible for me to imbibe it, without an effort, into my whole being. It had also the disadvantage of not giving me the technical mastery which the effort of learning step by step alone can give. Of what they called proficiency in music, therefore I acquired none. Ever since my return from the Himalayas, it was a case of getting more freedom, more and more. The rule of the servants came to an end. I saw to it with many a device that the bonds of my school life were also loosened. Not to my home tutors did I give much scope. Gyan Babu, after taking me through The Birth of the War God and one or two other books, in a desultory fashion, went off to take up a legal career. Then came Brajababu. The first day he put me on to translate The Vicar of Wakefield. I found that I did not dislike the book, but when this encouraged him to make more and more elaborate arrangements for the advancement of my learning, I made myself altogether scarce. As I have said, my elders gave me up. Neither I nor they were troubled with any more hopes of my future. So I felt free to devote myself to the filling up of my manuscript book and the writings which thus filled it were no better than could have been expected my mind had nothing in it but hot vapour and vapour filled with bubbles frothed and eddied round a vortex of lazy fancy aimless and unmeaning no forms ever evolved there was only the distraction of a movement a bubbling up a bursting back and forth what little of matter there was in it was not mine but borrowed from other poets. What was my own was the restlessness, the seething tension within me. When motion has been born, while yet the balance of forces has not matured, then is there blind chaos indeed. My sister-in-law Footnote The new bride of the house, wife of the writer's fourth brother, above mentioned. End of footnote was a great lover of literature. She did not read simply to kill time, but the Bengali books which she read filled her whole mind. I was a partner in her literary enterprises. She was a devoted admirer of the dream journey. So was I. The more particularly as, having been brought up in the atmosphere of its creation, its beauties had become intertwined with every fibre of my heart, Fortunately, it was largely beyond my power of imitation, so it never occurred to me to attempt anything like it. The dream journey may be likened to a super palace of allegory, with innumerable halls, chambers, passages, corners, and niches full of statuary and pictures of wonderful design and workmanship, and in the grounds around gardens, bowers, fountains, and shady nooks in profusion. Not only do poetic thought and fancy abound, but the richness and variety of language and expression is also marvellous. It is not a small thing, this creative power which can bring into being so magnificent a structure, complete in all its artistic detail, and that is perhaps why the idea of attempting an imitation never occurred to me. At this time, Vihari Lal Chakravarti's series of songs called sara the mangal were coming out in ariyadarsan my sister-in-law was greatly taken with the sweetness of these lyrics most of them she knew by heart she used often to invite the poet to our house and had embroidered for him a cushion seat with her own hands this gave me the opportunity of making friends with him he came to have a great affection for me and it took to dropping in at his house at all times of the day morning noon or evening his heart was as large as his body and a halo of fancy used to surround him like a poetic astral body which seemed to be his truer image he was always full of true artistic joy and whenever i had been to him i have breathed in my share of it often have i come upon him in his little room on the third story in the heat of noonday sprawling on the cool polished cement floor writing his poems mere boy though i was his welcome was always so genuine and hearty that i never felt the least awkwardness in approaching him then wrapped in his inspiration and forgetful of all surroundings he would read out his poems or sing his songs to me not that he had much of the gift of song in his voice but then he was not altogether tuneless and one could get a fair idea of the intended melody Footnote it may be helpful to the foreign reader to explain that the expert singer of the indian music improvises more or less on the tune outline made over to him by the original composer so that the latter need not necessarily do more than to give a correct idea of such outline End of footnote. when with eyes closed he raised his rich deep voice its expressiveness made up for what it lacked in execution I still seem to hear some of his songs as he sang them. I would also sometimes set his words to music and sing them to him. He was a great admirer of Valmiki and Kalidas. I remember how once, after reciting a description of the Himalayas from Kalidas, with the full strength of his voice, he said, The succession of the long A sounds here is not an accident. The poet has deliberately repeated this sound all the way from the Devatma down to Nagadiraja as an assistance in realizing the glorious expanse of the Himalayas. At the time the height of my ambition was to become a poet like Vihari Babu. I might have even succeeded in working myself up to the belief that I was actually writing like him, but for my sister-in-law, his zealous devotee, who stood in the way. She would keep reminding me of a Sanskrit saying that the unworthy aspirant after poetic fame departs in jeers. Very possibly she knew that if my vanity was allowed to get the upper hand, it would be difficult afterwards to bring it under control. So neither my poetic abilities nor my powers of song readily received any prize from her. Rather would she never let slip an opportunity of praising somebody else's singing at my expense by the result that i gradually became quite convinced of the defects of my voice misgivings about my poetic powers also assailed me but as this was the only field of activity left in which i had any chance of retaining my self-respect i could not allow the judgment of another to deprive me of all hope moreover so insistent was the spur within me that to stop my poetic adventure was a matter of sheer impossibility end of chapter 19 read by lambda